Welcome everyone to Marine Park Technical College's Talent Talk podcast. I'm Angela Gerlach, a Business Development Manager in the Economic and Workforce Development Division of MBTC. Today we bring you the second of three podcasts we are doing on the topic of poverty. Joanne Hall, Dean of Economic and Workforce Development, is with us today to discuss the extent of poverty in the Marine Park District and how it impacts our local businesses and workforce. Joanne, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, Angie. I'm so excited to talk about this topic. You have taken the poverty message on the road, discussing its impact with local businesses and organizations. When you do that, you start by looking at poverty through the lens of ALICE. ALICE is not a person, of course, but an acronym. Tell us about ALICE and what it measures. Okay, Ange, before I get there, I'm going to just back up just a second because I want everyone to know why I'm so, so passionate about this topic. First of all, what most people don't know is I actually grew up in an ALICE household pretty close to the poverty line. So I've lived some of that, some of what we're going to talk about today firsthand. But second of all, the reason I'm so passionate about it is really from an employer standpoint, what I want to make sure we're doing at Marine Park is if there's information we know that our businesses should know that are going to affect their ability to hire, retain, and and manage their talent, we want to make sure we get that message out. And we've been having conversations around the impact of poverty on the workforce since about 2018 um, when the United Way started this ALICE report. So that's why I'm so excited. So I wanted to back that up first. So let's talk a little bit about ALICE, right? So who is ALICE? The definition in the report actually comes from the United Way. um, And if anybody's interested, it's unitedforalice.org is if you want to find out. There's tons and tons of research. But what started in 2009 up in New Jersey, in one single county in New Jersey, was an opportunity to study and take a look at what we would typically call the working poor. Those people who are above the federal poverty line who are working but still can't make it day to day in that survival household budget. What started in 2009 with one county by the United Way studying it has turned into over 25 states in the United States, and they do the study every two years to see the impact on the workforce and what's happening with regard to poverty and this ALICE population. So what it stands for is asset limited, income constrained, and employed. And it really takes a look at those people who are working, but yet still struggling to make ends meet day to day. And why is that? What sectors of the economy are they in? And what struggles are they having um, just getting through day to day? And from our perspective, then we're looking at it from our local district to say, how is that affecting the workforce that we have? And are those people staying employed? Are they moving? Are they upskilling? What's happening? And how, how can our employers use this data to really understand how to best work with the employees that they have today? Thank you. I understand the latest ALICE report is out what does it tell us about the Marine Park District? So what is so the latest report is from 2023. Thank you for asking. Um, it comes out every two years. So they did a report in 2021 post-pandemic to see what the differences were pre-pandemic and where the impacts to the, to the Alice population really settled out. And then they did another one in 2023 where they focused predominantly on veterans, children, and individuals with disabilities, right? 
So let me share just a little bit about between the 2021 report and the 2023 report, what kind of data is out there for the Marine Park District and how it compares to the state of Wisconsin. Fair enough? Yes. All right. So first of all, what you need to know is all of the data is based on the federal poverty line. Okay. So a lot of people will ask me, well, Joanne, this is all great, but where does an Alice household start and where is the federal poverty line and how does all of that interrelate? So someone sitting in the federal poverty line, a single person, that says they're making about just a little less than $13,000 a year. Okay, That's the federal poverty line. But more importantly, a family of four, that's two adults, two kids in the household, just a little more than 26000 26500 is the federal poverty line. When we're starting to look at where our survival budgets are in our district, so again, remember Moraine Park is Fond du Lac, Dodge, Washington, Green Lake counties, right? In Fond du Lac County, what we call an Alice budget or a survival household budget is $24,864 a year, okay? If, that's, if I'm single, that means I'm making $12.43 an hour. So if I'm making less than $12.43 an hour as a single individual, that means I'm not even surviving and I'm fighting to get through financially day to day. Now, when we talk about what that survival budget looks like, we're talking about things like housing, food, childcare, transportation, healthcare, and technology. Now, that doesn't even take into account all of the debt people have. That is just the things that the United Way says, just to get by, that's what I need to have. So Fond du Lac, that's $12.43 an hour. If I have a family of four, that's a household income of $31.02 an hour or $62,000 a year. Now, that could come from one person or two people working, right? It's the household income. But that's just the bare minimum to get by without any sort of credit card debt, right? Um, And we all have just a little bit of that. Does that help? Yes, it does. Thank you. Given those sobering statistics, what do we know about the challenges facing those in our workforce who struggle financially? Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, I I want to make sure that our listeners know One of the questions I always get is, well, why are these people just not working, right? They wouldn't be struggling so much if they were working. Well, the reality is in our district, we've got pretty low unemployment rates and we've got pretty high labor participation rates. Right around 3% is where we're sitting. A year ago, we were about 0.2% lower in unemployment rates. So our unemployment rate is, hasn't really changed much post-pandemic. Right around 3%, our counties are sitting, Dodge maybe 3.1, Washington 3.0, but we're pretty consistent in the Marine Park District. The other thing people should know is that our labor participation rate, we have more people working in all of the Marine Park counties than we've had in the last decade. So there aren't a lot of people sitting on the sideline. So when I talk to employers, Part of the question is, well, can I just fire somebody if they just don't do what I need them to do? And the reality is there's not a lot more people sitting out there, and and I don't know where you think you're going to find them, right? So that's first and foremost. So what happens with these people who live in in the Alice household and struggles is they start to run into challenges like with transportation being an issue. You'll hear things like, I don't have enough gas to put in my car. 
You'll hear things like, I ride to work with my buddy down the street and he blew a tire and he can't replace the tire on his car because he doesn't have any money and savings to handle an emergency. Or they might be people that that are taking in um, subsidies or supports from federal agencies. It might be food assistance or housing assistance or childcare assistance. So they're struggling with a lot of those day-to-day kinds of components. And what happens if one of those dominoes starts to fall as an employer, what's the first thing that's going to happen? You're going to see attendance rates fall, right? If they can't afford health care, you're going to see them take a lot of sick days for either themselves or their children. And all of those things start to compound. And if employers aren't asking good questions about why are things happening, right, you might start to have challenges in the workforce. You might have retention issues. Thank you. Why do you think these struggles matter to the businesses? Well, like I said, Angie, the unemployment is low, right? Labor participation is high. And we're all working really diligently to make sure that the individuals we have on our teams can stay on our teams, can be productive on our teams, and the economy is continuing to grow. If we don't find a way to build capacity at our organizations, we're going to struggle keeping up with the demands from our customers. We're going to, it's going to affect on-time deliveries. It's going to affect the kind of capacity you have. You'll end up with rework situations. There's all kinds of business implications to productivity and output if you can't keep people in the workplace and keep them trained. The other piece that we hear at Marine Park all the time is we, our business is continuing to evolve, right? I need new skills. I have higher technology. And if we're constantly replacing people because we can't keep them coming to work every day for whatever reason, all of a sudden we've got now issues where we can't move people up and we can't train them for the new technology that's coming into place. And so all of that compounds. And at the end of the day, our business suffers and we can't grow. How has the Alice landscape changed since the pandemic? Well, that's a good question, Angie. I mean, when we think about all of the struggles all of us went through during the pandemic, what was interesting in the Alice reports was that first and foremost, the impact on the Alice population was far greater than it was to those people who were above the Alice threshold, primarily because those people in the Alice threshold and below are folks who had to go into work every day. So they were places that were closed um, versus the people who could work from home, for example, right? You and I just worked from home instead. Um, But a lot of these folks in the Alice threshold and below didn't have that opportunity. So they started out behind. But post-pandemic, now we've got all this inflation going on, right? So I wanted to share just a little bit with you about how some of the essentials or what they call the Alice essentials have changed. And we always compare those to the consumer price index and are they going up at the same rate as CPI or are they going up faster or slower? Um, And again, just as a reminder, those essentials, that's housing, childcare, food, transportation, um, healthcare, and technology. And what's interesting is that the rate of change for all of these have been actually higher than the consumer price index. Um, In 2021, they went up 2.5%. In 2022, they went up 9.5%. And then in 2023, they went up another 6.4%. So when we think about what the 
increase in wages have seen, right? We've seen that kind of across the board as employers are looking for staff. We've seen those wage increases, but we haven't seen anywhere near 9% or 10% you know, wage increases. So what that does to those individuals who are at that Alice level just struggling to survive is their wages might be going up, but not nearly as much as what those basics and those essentials are going up. So they end up even further in the hole than they started. Um, so what does that mean? What that means is that if they're if they're really struggling to get by, every little impact to their wages makes a big difference. Again, if I'm missing a day of work or if I have an unexpected emergency like um, like a flat tire on my car, um, or if the price of gas continues to go up, right? All of those things have really um, multiplication impacts to these individuals that they may not have to other people. Um, and I really want to talk to Angie is about how we compare to in the in the entire state, right? Um, when we look at what's happening nationally, the impact of inflation nationally is relatively high across the board. You hear it on the news all the time, right? Well, what's happening with with our folks in um, in poverty and in that Alice population? If you're on the West Coast or in the Northeast, you're really seeing a dramatic impact. So you might hear it on the news about how it's really impacting nationally. But at the end of the day as well, we're, we're kind of fortunate here in the state of Wisconsin because we are sitting in the Midwest, in the Moraine Park District, we're relatively rural, right? And that's where the least amount of inflationary impact is. It might not feel like it to us each and every day, um, but the impacts to the people on the coast or in the urban areas is much, much higher. So the good news is Wisconsin's doing pretty well. Um, our, our Alice levels in our state, in across the country, it's about 41% of households across the country. In Wisconsin, we are sitting, it depends what county you're in, um, in Fond du Lac County, about 21% of the households are Alice level or below. That includes those people who are below the federal poverty line. And that used to be about a third. So we're, we're feeling like we're making some progress there. And at the end of the day, it might be 21%, but I want you to remember that's almost 9,000 households in, in Fond du Lac County. Now, in Dodge County, it's actually higher. That's the highest of our counties. 27% of, of Dodge County households are Alice level or below. Um, Washington County, for us, is much better. It's 19%, which means they're taking a look at all those things. But what I really appreciate about the Marine Park District is we are below, in general, we tend to average below the state average um, in terms of both Alice and poverty districts, um, as well as below, well below the national average. So I feel like we're really, we've got a strong focus on it, um, but that doesn't mean it's not important to us. I mean, when we start taking a look at the number of households, um, you know, we're talking about somewhere around 25,000 households in the Moraine Park District. Many of, again, remember which I said are single family, right? Female-led households. So it, there's, a, there's a pretty significant impact um, as we're trying to look for staff and look for employees. But it, it has to stay first and foremost um, because as we're all looking for employees, we need to understand who it is we're hiring, and especially in those entry-level jobs. Thank you, Joanne. So what are some things company leaders and managers need to keep in mind when working with people who struggle with poverty? Well, first and foremost, I would say we need to be aware of it, right? We need to understand that that work is built around a middle class culture 
and a middle class mindset. So we just assume people are going to come to work every day, work hard, do what they need to do. And for the most part, I'm a firm believer that's what everyone really wants to do. But these folks in, in the Alice households, they've got different struggles than some other people might have. And it might be that if they're struggling with childcare, if they're a single family, you know, single parent home and one of their kids gets sick, they have to make a choice. Am I staying home? If I don't have childcare, I don't have someone else who can take care of that sick child. Now I'm making a choice. Do I come to work today or do I stay home and be a good parent today? And a lot of our, our companies in our district have to really take a look at their policies and procedures and how they're going to work through these situations. If you're one of those organizations that still has that old three strikes and you're out policy without stopping to ask the question about why someone's missing work. Again, I shared with you before that the unemployment rates are low. The labor participation rates are higher than they've been in a decade. You can keep those kinds of policies in place, but I don't know where you're going to find employees, right? So I always like to tell managers and supervisors, we might all make widgets. We make a lot of different widgets. Different companies do different things, right? We're in the education business. You might be in the welding business. But at the end of the day, as leaders and managers, first and foremost, we need to remember we're in the people business, Because if we're not taking care of the people that we have and making sure our policies and procedures help them grow and help them thrive in our organizations, we're not making widgets. There are no widgets to be made unless we're going to automate everything. And I don't know that that's going to happen anytime in the near future, right? We've got great automation tools, but we're not going to have a lights out factory where there's no people involved. And if we want to grow our workforce, we need those people strong and in our organization so that we can upskill them and provide additional training and coaching to them. But if we can't keep them, then we don't even have anybody to upskill, right? So then what happens to our capacity? What happens to our growth opportunities? What happens to our costs, right? All of those have an impact. So my my message to, to leaders and supervisors and managers and organizations is to look at your policies and procedures. Start asking people questions. Don't just say, oh, you know, they didn't show up today. Find out why. Take a look at your attendance policies. Take a look at your flexible work policies. Um, We've got lots of organizations in our district that are great examples of what to do to support your workforce. And we've also unfortunately got a few examples of what not to do to support your workforce. Um, And I think we can learn from one another. So how do we take a look at food subsidies? How do we take a look at food pantries? How do we help with transportation assistance? But first and foremost, how do we stop and ask questions? and bring the human aspect back into the workforce. I mentioned at the start, you take the poverty message on the road. If business leaders are interested in hosting one of your sessions, how do they get in touch with us? Now, Angie, I love, you can tell I'm passionate about this topic, so I love taking this on the road. And I've done it probably two dozen times in the last two years alone. Going out to organizations, talking to their team leaders, their supervisors, their managers, their senior leaders, about the impacts of poverty on the workforce, what the culture of poverty really looks like and how it shows up in your workforce, and then having really good discussion about how they might change what they're working on and how can they they do things differently. And so I would tell you, training at moranepark.edu and just say, I want the poverty presentation, um, and I would be more than happy to come out and do that. Joanne, thank you so much for joining me today. 
I appreciate your time talking about this very important topic. Thank you, Angie. As you can tell, I'm very passionate about it. um, And I I really just want to spread the message as far and wide as we can get so that our employers can have the best quality um, employees and, and really thrive in today's environment. Listeners, this is the second episode of three podcasts we are doing on the effects of poverty on our communities. To make sure you are among the first to know about future Talent Talk podcasts and much more, subscribe to our newsletter. To do that, visit marinepark.edu slash newsletter. Again, that's marinepark.edu slash newsletter. That concludes today's Talent Talk podcast. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.